0: Welcome to NTD News Today, I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. President Biden set to meet with leaders of countries on NATO's eastern flank. It follows Russia's suspension of the nuclear arms treaty, analysis on the significance of the visit, and what's at stake for Poland. The White House seeking to change rules surrounding religious liberty protection at colleges. It would clear a path for the federal government to fund schools that restrict religious groups. Biden's new executive order is coming under fire. It requires federal agencies to factor in racial equity in the use of artificial intelligence. Republican lawmakers are pushing back against a plan to negotiate an accord with the World Health Organization. It would give the WHO centralized authority over US pandemic response. President Biden joins a summit in Europe known as the Bucharest Nine. He said these countries on NATO's eastern flank are critical to security.
1: The commitment of the United States to NATO, I've said it to you many times, I'll say it again, is absolutely clear. Article 5 is a sacred commitment the United States has made. We will defend literally every inch of NATO, every inch of NATO. And this is an important moment. I look forward to the discussion and the next steps we can take together and to keep our alliance strong and to further deter aggression. Because what literally is at stake is not just Ukraine, it's freedom.
0: The Bucharest 9 Alliance was formed in 2015. The countries consist of Bulgaria, Czechia, Estonia, Hungary, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Romania, and Slovakia. Some sources also list Montenegro and North Macedonia as part of the alliance. The meeting was held in Warsaw. Biden arrived at the Polish capital late on Monday after a surprise visit to Kyiv. Euractiv reports that all but two of the Bucharest 9 countries support military aid to Ukraine. NATO's Secretary General was also at the meeting. He thanked Biden for his leadership and commitment. He said Russia can't be allowed to chip away at European security and that NATO must break the cycle of Russian aggression. Updates on President Biden's trip to Poland. We hear analysis on the impact it will have on Poland's role, what the country is seeking, and what's at stake in the Ukraine war. Joining us now from Warsaw, Poland, is Albert Szwedzinski, director of analysis at Strategy and Future, a Warsaw-based geopolitical think tank. Really appreciate having you on the show, Albert.
2: Great to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
0: President Biden is set to meet with leaders of the Bucharest Nine, countries on NATO's eastern flank today. It's to show support for their security after Russia suspended the nuclear arms treaty. What is the significance of Biden's meeting, and what does it mean for the war in Ukraine? Look, it's
2: uh, it's good to point out that this is the second time in under a year that Biden visited Poland. The uh, day before, he was in Kiev on an unexpected visit, which, again, was a uh, at least in symbolic terms, it was a uh, it was a huge message for the Ukrainians, for the countries of NATO eastern flank. Him coming over here while uh, skipping, for example, Munich Security Conference, not visiting uh, Berlin, not visiting Paris, but coming over here. I think in many ways it uh, on again on a symbolic level because um, you know we're still yet to hear um, more precise guarantees or more precise. Uh, charted path for the U.S. To, uh, to to help win the war in Ukraine. But the, the significance, the symbolicism of this is that he recognizes, I think, the importance of what is happening in Ukraine, that this is, in fact, a systemic war that is of existential importance both for Russians and the Ukrainians, but also is critical for upholding the U.S.'s role in their international order and upkeeping the international order itself. So it's a uh, the fact also that he met with Bucharest 9. I think it shows the newfound gravity that those countries now enjoy, uh, which again emerged over the war in Ukraine. Uh, you saw Western European capitals being more lukewarm towards that war, towards supporting Ukraine, while the Poles and others across, uh, you know, the space between the Baltic and the Black Sea, Black Sea, jumped in to support the Ukrainians, gaining political leverage, gaining political stature. So. Uh, I think that's basically, it. this is what it boils down to.
0: And Albert, you touch on the importance of symbology here. What is Poland seeking specifically?
2: Huh. Look, uh, the the story of the past five, 500 years, half a millennium, was Poland and the other countries, the other nations of Central and Eastern Europe struggling against Russian imperialism. Um, I deal with geostrategy. I don't deal with morality, so to speak. So I'm not uh, going to chastise Russia for what it did. That's not the point. But uh, the bottom line is the past 500 years, Poles, Ukrainians, Belarusians, the Bolts, were faced with Russian imperialism, Russian expansion, Western expansion. So essentially, what's at stake here? uh, Should Russia win, it will gain a sphere of influence and an outsized ability to influence the politi- political and economic reality in Eastern and Central Europe, not just in Ukraine, but in Belarus, in the Baltic states, sooner or later in Poland. So what's at stake here is either being free from the shadow cast by, by the you know, another iterations of Imperial Russia, Soviet Russia, the, today's Russia, or being being subjugated by it. This is basically what's at stake.
0: Albert I want to delve into this sphere of influence you talk about. In his speech ahead of the anniversary of the invasion, Biden accused Russia of crimes against humanity, said NATO is more unified now than ever, and that democracies have grown stronger and autocracies weaker. In your view, how has the war impacted the West's view of the US-made world order?
2: Look it's a complicated question because it's a uh, it's it's not only about what Russia is doing, which is which is it's trying to project power west of its borders. It's trying to be to, to gain its own sphere of influence. Which again, in the world order as we know it, especially following the dissolution of the Soviet Union, you weren't supposed to have spheres of influence, and you weren't especially supposed to try to obtain them via wars of aggression. So, what Russia did essentially is. Uh, it went against the, the very tenets of the international order. It, it tried to effectively—if you listen to Putin, to what he said in his recent speech, but also in his speech speeches over the past months, he basically is trying to, to destroy the international order, as we know it. This is what it amounts to. When such an important player in the order, such a major country as Russia, is going against the grain of everything that has been accepted as a norm, it creates a lethal danger for the system. So this is, this is essentially what it boils down to. It's a systemic war that, you know, if the system is to survive, Russians cannot win it. And they also cannot win it because of what's happening in the South China Sea vis-a-vis, vis-a-vis China, vis-a-vis U.S. allies over there. So it's, uh, it's, it's critical for the U.S. to not allow Russia to succeed. So this is what's at stake in Ukraine.
0: It is really great to have your in-depth analysis. Albert Shvijinsky, director of analysis at Strategy and Future, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. The Biden administration wants to change a Trump-era rule. The rule suspends federal funding to colleges that restrict the activities of religious groups on campus. Entity's Daniel Monahan has the story.
3: The Department of Education, or DOE, recently called the rule unduly burdensome. It created the rule in 2019 in response to an executive order by then-President Donald Trump Titled Improving Free Inquiry, Transparency and Accountability at Colleges and Universities, the rule went into effect in November 2020. Following President Joe Biden's inauguration in 2021, the DOE announced that it was conducting a review of the rule. The rule includes a provision that enabled the federal government to withhold grants from higher education institutions, this if they imposed restrictions on religious student groups. Now the DOE says the rule is not needed to protect free speech and free exercise of religion. It says existing rules protecting First Amendment rights to free speech should provide sufficient protection for religious groups on college campuses. Some disagree. First Liberty Institute is a nonprofit public interest law firm dedicated to defending religious freedom. It called the rule a necessary and important step to protect students of all faiths and perspectives on campus. First Liberty Counsel Keisha Russell says some public universities have basically kicked religious groups off campus. She argues that universities have stripped them of the right to communicate with students via college emails, websites, and campus-wide events. Russell says universities subjected religious groups to stricter standards than other student groups. For example, the colleges require religious groups to accept members or leaders that fundamentally disagree with the organization's beliefs and mission. Russell says the Trump-era rule improved things. Public institutions risked losing federal funding for what she called bullying religious organizations into abandoning their religious beliefs. The DOE is encouraging stakeholders and the public to provide feedback on the proposed elimination of the rule. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
0: President Biden issued an executive order to advance so-called racial equity last week. It contains a new obligation for federal use of artificial intelligence. However, critics say the directive may pose a social hazard. Here's the story.
1: President Biden's new order on racial equity is sparking criticism. It calls on federal agencies to use artificial intelligence and automated systems in a manner that advances equity. The order highlights the term algorithmic discrimination, citing a definition from the White House's recent Blueprint for AI Bill of Rights. The phrase refers to the unjustified different treatment or impacts of automated systems on people of specific color, race, gender, or those with disabilities, language barriers, and so on. However, political influencers and tech experts are sounding the alarm. Journalist Christopher Rufo, a leading critic of critical race theory, warned that the new order has a special mandate for woke AI. Manhattan Institute fellow Colin Wright dubbed such a technology a social cancer. He wrote, Biden is not a moderate. This is a legal sprint to inject as much radical ideology as broadly and as deeply as possible in our government. This cannot be allowed. Software developer John Schlinkert voiced concerns for the future generation. He tweeted, AI is about to change the world in unprecedented ways. The last thing we need is an AI that promotes racial division and discrimination. Former journalism professor Jeff Cunningham took issue with algorithmic discrimination. He asked, My question is, what is the penalty to the algorithm? Others fear Biden's order will backfire and allow AI to further promote racial prejudice.
0: The U.S. military's Special Operations Command is investigating a possible email server leak at the Pentagon. The elite Pentagon team is responsible for counterterrorism and hostage rescue missions around the globe. Their investigation into the potential data leak is in response to a report from a cybersecurity researcher. He said the command was leaking a trove of unclassified email data on the Internet, and added that anyone who knew the IP addresses of the server could access the data without a password. That was before the server was secured on Monday. Special command officials say so far they can confirm that no one has hacked its information systems. Republican lawmakers are pushing back against the Biden administration's plan to negotiate an accord with the World Health Organization. The accord would give the WHO centralized authority over U.S. pandemic response.
3: Member states of the World Health Organization, or WHO, prepare to gather in Switzerland on February 27th to negotiate the final terms of an accord. It would give the WHO the authority to declare pandemics and submit all member countries to the coordination of the WHO. That means the WHO would have the power to decide lockdown policies, treatments, medical supply chains, surveillance, and what would be considered disinformation during a pandemic. U.S. Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra helped negotiate the accord. Republicans in Congress are pushing back against the plan. On February 15th, 17 senators, led by Senator Ron Johnson, introduced the No-WHO Pandemic Preparedness Treaty without Senate Approval Act. The bill says the pandemic accord must be considered a treaty. That means it has to be ratified by a supermajority of the Senate, which is two-thirds, or 67 senators, in order to be valid. Johnson argued, quote, The WHO, along with our federal health agencies, failed miserably in their response to COVID-19. This failure should not be rewarded with a new international treaty that would increase the WHO's power at the expense of American sovereignty. Other sponsors of the bill included Republican Senators Chuck Grassley, Marsha Blackburn, Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz. But it remains unclear if the Biden administration will need Senate approval for the WHO Accord to go into effect. Francis Boyle, professor of international law at Illinois University, told The Epoch Times that the WHO Accord is drafted specifically to circumvent the Senate approval process.
0: Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves had some strong words on Twitter yesterday regarding gender reassignment procedures. He wrote that, quote, sterilizing and castrating children in the name of new gender ideology is wrong. The Republican governor confirmed that he plans to sign a bill to ban cross-sex procedures in the state for anyone younger than 18. The fact is that we set age restrictions on driving a car and on getting a tattoo.
4: We don't let 11-year-olds enter an R-rated movie alone, yet some would have us believe that we should push permanent body-altering surgeries on them at such a young age.
0: Reeves added that Mississippi must do everything in its power to counter those who want to push what he called experiments on kids. House Bill 1125 won final approval Tuesday in the Republican-controlled Mississippi Senate. It will be sent in the coming days to Reeves, a Republican who is running for re-election. Reeves signed a law in 2021 to ban so-called transgender athletes from competing in girls' or women's sports. The Republican governor of Utah recently signed a ban on cross-sex procedures for minors into law. Judges have temporarily blocked similar laws in Arkansas and Alabama. Someone new is throwing their hat into the 2024 presidential race. Vivek Ramaswamy is running as a Republican. The biotech entrepreneur is the author of Woke Incorporated, Inside Corporate America's Social Justice Scam. Ramaswamy says the country is in the midst of a national identity crisis and that faith, patriotism, hard work, and family are on the decline. He says climatism, wokeism, and gender ideology have taken their place. The businessman describes the Chinese regime as the greatest external threat America faces. Ramaswamy says his first move as U.S. president would be to end federally mandated affirmative action. He also says he wants to expose government documents showing state influence in private enterprise.
3: I need to get on the debate stage. And I think the thing we need to do in this country in 2023 is decide on the what. What does the conservative movement stand for? What does the GOP stand for? In 2024, we can decide the who. But if we decide the agenda, we get this right now, that's going to be good for the GOP. It's going to be good for the conservative movement. It is going to be good for this country.
0: Ramaswamy is the son of Indian immigrants. He graduated from Harvard University with a biology degree and later from Yale Law School. He co-founded Strive Asset Management. Politico describes Ramaswamy as one of the intellectual godfathers of the so-called anti-woke movement. The entrepreneur criticized what he called the Great Reset, describing it as the merging of state power with corporate power to create the modern form of fascism. And coming up, the Environmental Protection Agency is ordering the train company responsible for the chemical spill in Ohio to pay for its cleanup. And the Mormon Church found itself under fire recently. This after allegations it used 13 shell companies to hide a huge investment fund worth $32 billion. More in just a moment here on NTD News Today. Pay for the cleanup. The EPA is ordering Norfolk Southern to do just that after one of its trains carrying toxic chemicals derailed in East Palestine, Ohio. The incident led to evacuations and concerns over contamination in the area. Officials are now working to assure residents that the air and water are safe despite health concerns in the community. Here are the latest details.
5: The disaster resulted in a days long fire that sent plumes of black smoke into the air and led to the intentional release of vinyl chloride to help avoid a worse explosion.
4: We need our uh, town cleaned up. We need our residents to feel safe in their homes.
5: During a press briefing Tuesday, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine was critical of laws on the books that do not require train companies to notify local governments when hazardous materials are passing through the area.
6: The fact that this train did not qualify under current law uh, requiring the railroad company to make that notification is just absurd.
5: Now this community is caught in the middle, as more reports of health problems emerge and officials try to assure people the air and water in this community is safe. The cleanup order, which is legally binding, will require the company to identify and clean the contaminated soil and water resources and reimburse the EPA for services provided to residents and local businesses. So far, the soil under the railroad tracks at the derailment site has been determined to be contaminated.
6: So the tracks will have to be taken up and that soil will have to be removed.
5: Meanwhile, officials open a new clinic Tuesday that will serve residents impacted by the train derailment.
0: Norfolk Southern said they want to do what's right for the residents of East Palestine. The company issued a statement saying, we are committed to thoroughly and safely cleaning the site and we are reimbursing residents for the disruption this has caused in their lives. They say they are invested in helping East Palestine thrive for the long term and will continue to be in the community for as long as it takes. Over 1 million gallons of contaminated water have been excavated from the site so far and around 15,000 pounds of contaminated soil. Norfolk Southern says contaminated soil and water will be transported to landfills and disposal facilities designed to accept them. Two people were killed and three others injured in an explosion and fire in Medley, Florida near Miami yesterday. Police say it was semi-trucks and other vehicles that exploded and burned, but they're not yet sure what caused the combustion. Two of the three people injured were in critical condition and receiving treatment at a local trauma center. The other was treated at the scene. Surveillance footage at the time shows a massive fireball and black smoke rising into the air. A fuel truck completely engulfed in flames appeared to be the epicenter of the fire. Officials say homicide detectives and an arson unit are conducting the investigation. Medley is an industrial area of Miami-Dade. That's near Durrell, where another fire has been burning for more than a week. At Florida State Fair, video has surfaced of a ride malfunctioning last Friday. Have a look. You can see the ride cars on the ride swinging, allegedly from a wind gust, some people on the ride scream for help. At one point, a loud bang is heard. The ride-dubbed Enterprise resembled a Ferris wheel, and under normal operation, it spins very fast, preventing the cars from swaying back and forth. A $5 million fine, 13 shell companies, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, found itself in some hot water recently over a huge investment fund. It has agreed to settle allegations that it tried to hide the fund from the government. And today's Daniel Monahan has more in the story.
3: The Securities and Exchange Commission says the LDS Church and its investment manager agreed to pay a $5 million fine, connected to the charge that the Church hid an approximately $32 billion investment fund. The SEC says the Church was concerned disclosing the fund would lead to negative consequences. To settle the lawsuit, the LDS Church agreed to pay $1 million of the fine. Their investment firm Ensign Peak Advisors will pay the other $4 million. It all began with a damaging whistleblower complaint filed by a former Ensign Peak investment manager with the IRS in 2019. It accused the church of accumulating about $100 billion in accounts intended for charitable purposes. The complaint further alleged that the church was deceiving its members by keeping their donations instead of using them for charity. Ensign Peak, which is run by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, reportedly didn't file the correct forms to disclose the investments. The SEC says the investment firm instead created 13 shell companies with the church's blessing and had the shell companies file the forms. However, those shell companies were under the control of Ensign Peak and the forms were signed by managers mostly employed by the church. An SEC official stated that the LDS church went to great lengths to avoid disclosing the church's investments. In a statement, the LDS acknowledged mistakes were made and said it now considered the matter closed. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
0: An anti human trafficking task force in San Diego has arrested 48 people in a total of 17 recent operations conducted by state, city, and federal officers. Officers also freed eight minors, with some as young as 13. A total of 41 victims were rescued. San Diego District Attorney Summer Steffen said, quote, doctors, teachers, and superintendents are often out there buying someone even though they have their own children, wives, sisters, and mothers. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria added, quote, this operation demonstrates that if you do wrong in the city, if you harm others, if you try and tear down our communities, if you want to harm our children, law enforcement is watching you. Human trafficking and sexual exploitation have been on the rise throughout California. Some blame the Safer Streets for All Act, a law that made it legal to loiter with the intention to engage in prostitution. More in California, officials are taking aim at junk fees or hidden costs on goods and services following a national push by the Biden administration to eliminate the fees. State Attorney General Rob Bonta said, quote, prices advertised should be the price you pay, plain and simple. The bill would make it illegal to display or offer a price that doesn't include all mandatory charges other than government-imposed taxes. The hidden fees are also sometimes called drip fees. Historically, the travel and lodging industry has used them the most, but officials say the practice is spreading. The fees can now be found in various areas like car rentals, airport parking, event ticketing, restaurant service fees, and food delivery charges. They said internet service providers and the automobile industry are also employing the practice more commonly. In September, President Joe Biden called on all federal agencies to reduce or eliminate hidden fees. After more than 50 years, a cold case murder in Vermont has been solved thanks to DNA technology and genealogy. 24-year-old Rita Curran was strangled to death in 1971 and a cigarette was left beside her body. In 2019, DNA from that cigarette was linked to a man named William Dieros. Burlington police say Dieros lived in an apartment two floors above Rita at the time of the murder. When questioned by police in 1971, Dieros and his wife said they were together that night, which gave him an alibi. His wife later told police Dieros told her to say that because he feared he would be named a suspect due to his criminal history. The Burlington Police Department now says it is unanimously certain Diros murdered Rita. Diros died of a drug overdose in 1986. Police say the cold case is now closed. A U.S. jury convicted Mexico's former security minister yesterday. He was found guilty on five charges related to drug trafficking. Prosecutors say he took millions of dollars in bribes from the cartels he was supposed to be fighting. Here's more on the story.
4: A man once in charge of Mexico's war on drugs was convicted by a U.S. jury of trafficking drugs himself on Tuesday. Genario Garcia Luna's U.S. charges include taking millions of dollars in bribes from the infamous Sinaloa cartel. He'll serve a minimum of 20 years in prison and could face a lifetime sentence. Garcia Luna is one of the highest ranking Mexican officials ever accused of ties to drug trafficking and had worked closely with US counter narcotics and intelligence agencies. He led Mexico's Federal Investigation Agency for four years and was public security minister for six years until 2012. Federal prosecutors in Brooklyn say Garcia Luna accepted bribes from the cartel once run by Joaquin El Chapo Guzman in exchange for protection from arrest, safe passage for cocaine shipments, and tip-offs about future police operations. He was arrested in Texas in 2019 after moving to the United States and had pled not guilty. However, on Tuesday, a jury found him guilty on all five counts he faced. Um, an appellation... Cesar de Castro, a defense lawyer, told reporters Garcia Luna will, quote, continue to do everything he can to clear his good name, while Brian Peace, the top federal prosecutor in Brooklyn, said after the verdict that, quote, Garcia Luna, who once stood at the pinnacle of law enforcement in Mexico, will now live the rest of his days having been revealed as a traitor to his country. He is set to be sentenced in June.
0: Peruvian authorities yesterday destroyed more than 14 tons of illegal drugs. It's the country's first massive drug burn this year. The drugs were confiscated in several operations over the last four months, including cocaine and marijuana, among others. Footage from the Peruvian government shows officials in masks moving bags of white powder from storage and adding it to an incinerator. The Peruvian president presided over the burn. She said her government will be firm in the fight against drug trafficking and that she will convene the National Council for Citizen Security to draw up a plan. This event was the first time this year drugs seized by the Peruvian National Police were burned. And just ahead, the NBA is reaching more into Chinese markets. It's entering a partnership with a financial tech giant for things like video content and membership. And during his trip to India, Senate leader Chuck Schumer reaffirmed bilateral cooperation to counter Beijing. We'll have the details soon when we return. Welcome back. The National Basketball Association is entering a partnership with a Chinese financial tech giant. China's Ant Group is affiliated with Chinese e-commerce company Alibaba and its founder Jack Ma.
7: The partnership covers a wide range of areas, including video content program broadcasting and membership. Fans in China would also gain access to NBA videos through popular e-payment app Alipay, owned by Ant Group. The NBA is one of the United States' most popular cultural exports to China. It makes hundreds of millions of dollars a year from the Chinese market. The NBA has also held a decades-long partnership with Chinese state-run broadcaster CCTV. But that business relationship took a a year-and-a-half break in recent years. Back in 2019, then-Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey took to Twitter in support of a pro-democracy movement in Hong Kong. The Chinese city was once a British colony. Beijing promised it would maintain its freedoms when control was handed back to China decades ago but Beijing has since eroded that promise, prompting some in Hong Kong to launch mass protests. Maury's tweet faced strong criticism inside China, and CCTV stopped broadcasting NBA games because of it. In total, it turned into an 18-month blackout. Senate Leader
0: Chuck Schumer and India's Prime Minister held a meeting yesterday. The two discussed stronger economic ties and countering China. The U.S. is boosting ties to one of its
8: major allies in Asia, India. U.S. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is visiting India and met with Indian Prime Minister Modi on Tuesday. In a tweet, Modi said he appreciated the strong bipartisan support from U.S. Congress members. He also mentioned that U.S.-India ties are anchored in shared democratic values and strong people-to-people ties. Schumer praised his conversation with Modi in another tweet, calling it substantive and productive. He added that the ties between the two nations follow shared strategic interests, including out-competing China, combating climate change and increasing trade. President Joe Biden is eager to deepen ties with the world's most populous democracy. It's part of his bid to win the contest between free and autocratic societies, especially China. On the other hand, border disputes between India and China have continued for decades. And dozens of India's soldiers were killed in a border conflict in 2020. A fresh clash erupted between the two sides in December, but there were no deaths.
0: The Australian Broadcasting Corporation has reported that Australia is facing a spy threat like never before. Mike Burgess, head of the country's intelligence service, ASIO, said the agency cleared out a hive of spies in the past year. Journalists, military veterans, and members of the judiciary are prime targets of these activities. Burgess criticized former military personnel who worked for what he called authoritarian regimes, saying they put cash before a country. In one example, Burgess said an Australian senior journalist was lured to a foreign country on an all-expenses-paid study tour during the visit. Local officials managed to approach him and obtained intelligence information about Australia. Now to the UK, where the Metropolitan Police have dropped an investigation into human rights activist Drew Pavlou. He was accused of emailing a bomb threat to the Chinese embassy. A vocal critic of the Chinese Communist Party, the Australian was arrested last July as he was protesting outside the embassy in London. Pavlou was held for 23 hours by police who questioned him over an email which claimed he would blow up the embassy because of Beijing's repression of the Uyghurs. He denied the allegations and said he was framed by the Chinese regime. Police said he's now fully cleared of any wrongdoing. Campaigners say such fake email threats are part of a wider international repression by authoritarian regimes. A large spherical object of unknown origin has washed up on a beach in Japan. Explosive effort experts have reportedly been called in to examine it. A local woman found the mysterious ball on a beach and alerted police. The object was described as an iron ball with a diameter of nearly five feet. Police cordoned off a roughly 200-yard radius around the object and called in bomb experts. The team used X-ray technology to examine the object and found it to be hollow. The origin of the iron ball remains unknown. A local resident reported that he spotted the ball on the beach a month ago. Concerns over suspicious objects have intensified. Japan's defense ministry strongly suspects Chinese surveillance balloons entered Japanese airspace at least three times between 2019 and 2021. Japan's ruling party last week approved a proposal stop limiting the military from using some weapons against unmanned aircraft in Japanese airspace. Tens of thousands of North Koreans, South Koreans, Japanese and Chinese could be exposed to radioactive materials. and may have spread through groundwater from an underground nuclear test site. According to the U.S. and South Korean governments, North Korea secretly conducted six tests of nuclear weapons at the Punggye-ri site between 2006 and 2017. Seoul-based human rights group, Transitional Justice Working Group, says radioactive materials could have spread across eight cities and counties near the site. More than a million North Koreans live there, and the site's groundwater is used in everyday living, including drinking. The report also said that neighboring South Korea, China and Japan might be at risk due to agricultural and fisheries products smuggled from the north. Many outside experts have raised concerns over potential health risks from contaminated water. However, North Korea rejected such concerns, saying there were no leaks of harmful materials following past nuclear tests. However, no evidence was provided. Seoul and Washington have said Pyongyang could be preparing for a seventh nuclear test. Coming up, at a meeting with China's highest diplomat, President Putin says that relations between the two countries are hitting new milestones. And a British woman strikes out in appealing her lost citizenship. Her national rights were revoked because she joined the Islamic State as a teen. More in just a moment here on NTD News. Moscow and Beijing reaffirm close ties as Russian President Vladimir Putin meets with China's top diplomat in the Kremlin. Putin says bilateral relations are reaching new milestones. In remarks broadcast on Russian state TV, Putin hailed the cooperation between the two countries. He called their relations a key player in, quote, stabilizing the international situation. Putin said he was looking forward to Chinese leader Xi Jinping's visit to Moscow. China's highest-ranking diplomat, Wang Yi, said the two countries will deepen their partnership, adding the Russia-China relationship won't be compromised by other countries.
4: Uh, Russian-Chinese relations are developing just as we planned in
3: previous years. Everything is moving forward, developing, and we are reaching new milestones. We would like to emphasize once again that the comprehensive strategic partnership between Russia and China has never been directed against the third party and is certainly not subject to interference and provocation by any third party.
0: Their talks also touched on the growth of bilateral trade. Wang met earlier with the Russian foreign minister. He said he was expecting to reach new agreements during the Moscow trip, but he didn't disclose any details. The founder of paramilitary organization Wagner Group is accusing Russia's top brass of depriving his fighters of weapons and trying to destroy his mercenary group, actions he said were equivalent to high treason. Yevgeny Prigozhin blamed Russia's defense minister and chief of general staff of deliberately causing the arm shortages. He said they are leading to heightened losses among Wagner troops fighting around Bakhmut. The Wagner Group is spearheading Russia's battle for the town in Ukraine's Donetsk region. Prigozhin has criticized senior commanders for months, saying the defense ministry is time to take credit for Wagner's successes. The Ukraine war is approaching its one-year anniversary. We hear from Russia analysts who say President Putin's gamble in the invasion appears to be going the wrong way, but he seems determined to carry on and even push harder.
3: I've decided to conduct a special military operation. Its goal is to
9: protect people who have been subject to bullying and genocide by the Kiev regime for eight years."
10: With these words, Putin started Russia's invasion of Ukraine, now almost one year ago. Analysts say his gamble in invading a smaller and weaker neighbor seems to have backfired it also created the biggest threat to his more than two-decade-long rule.
9: He's found himself with a war which he didn't want to fight, which he didn't expect, uh, a a bloody, grinding conflict which wasn't supposed to happen. And the West uh, showing much more unity, much more solidarity among themselves than he'd expected, sanctions being much tougher. Literally everything that he set out to do has gone disastrously wrong.
10: Russian media tried to boost Putin's authority with images of a strong man, but the war has exposed his shortcomings and the weakness of his military, intelligence services and some economic sectors. Ukrainian forces have liberated more than half the territory Russia seized. The war has killed tens of thousands on both sides and scuttled decades of Russia's integration with the West, bringing international isolation. Short says the Russian president is unlikely to give up.
9: Does he feel cornered? Probably not. I don't think he his mind works that way. He will be looking for ways to push ahead, but I don't think he's found them and I don't think he knows what they are.
10: Putin began the special military operation in the name of Ukraine's demilitarization and so-called denazification. He sought to protect ethnic Russians Prevent Kiev's NATO membership and to keep it in Russia's sphere of influence. An analyst who served in the past three US administrations believes Putin wanted to wing quickly in Ukraine, install a new president in Kiev, and force it to join Belarus in a Slavic union with Russia. From Putin's
11: point of view, Belarus, Ukraine would join with Russia in a new union treaty, he would preside over it, and perhaps there'd be some devolution of authority to de facto presidents in uh, Belarus and uh, Ukraine, uh, people that you know he had um, selected there. And
10: Analysts see several scenarios for Putin, depending on battlefield developments. A former speechwriter for Putin says the Russian president could face a coup, as even some in the military are turning critical.
4: When he becomes hated by more than half, and we're driving in this direction, uh, Like the chance for big, the chances for uh, for a coup, uh,
2: elite coup, military coup, will uh, increase.
10: Some analysts say Putin could get out by revising his goals in Ukraine. He could declare he achieved them by establishing a land corridor from Russia to Crimea and taking over the Donbass in the east.
0: A British woman who went to Syria as a schoolgirl to join the Islamic State struck out in court today. She lost her latest appeal against the U.K. government's decision to take away her citizenship. Shamima Begum was 15 when she left London in 2015. She traveled with two school friends to Syria where she married an Islamic State fighter. She was stripped of her British citizenship in 2019 after being found in Syria. Begum then challenged that decision. Her lawyers argued that Britain's home office failed to investigate whether she was a child victim of trafficking. But lawyers representing the home office said Begum's case was about national security, not trafficking. They argue that she had aligned with IS and stayed in Syria for four years until 2019. UK energy regulator Ofgem announced a targeted review into British Gas. That's after its subcontractors were found to be breaking into people's homes to fit prepayment meters. A prepayment meter is like a pay-as-you-go phone. The customer must keep their account up to date or their power will be shut off. The regulator said the investigation will examine whether the firm had taken all steps required to help customers with debt before installing a meter or disconnecting them. It will also look at whether British Gas and its contractors assessed a customer's psychological state to see if installation of a prepayment meter would be seriously traumatic. Last month, Ofgem launched a separate major investigation into whether energy suppliers have followed the rules. The watchdog said they should start compensating customers without waiting for the results of the review. In the UK, staff at Ofsted announced a series of strikes in the long-running civil service dispute over pay, pensions and jobs. Members of the Public and Commercial Service Union at the school inspection body will take 12 days of industrial action in March. The walkouts will involve union members in Birmingham, Bristol, Manchester and Nottingham who provide administrative support for school inspectors and deal with questions from the public. The PCS union said their members are fed up with being taken for granted by the government, which offered a 2% pay raise. The strike is the latest escalation of the union's national campaign after driving test examiners and Border Force staff walked out. 100,000 civil servants plan to strike on budget day, which is March 15th. Two top transport officials in Spain have handed in their resignation. The issue? A messed-up order for new commuter trains that cost nearly $275 million. The trains couldn't fit into the non-standard tunnels in the north of the country. The public was made aware of the design fault earlier this month. The Spanish government says it realized the mistake early enough to avoid financial loss. However, one of the regions is demanding compensation. The trains were ordered in 2020. But the following year, the manufacturer realized that the dimensions it got were inaccurate and stopped construction. The rail network in northern Spain was built in the 19th century, and its tunnels don't match modern dimensions. And coming up, Switzerland is maximizing energy production in winter months by attaching thousands of solar panels to the country's longest dam and ancient air conditioning. Special buildings in Morocco reveal key techniques to staying cool without using energy. Find out how the materials and designs work after the break. Good to have you back with us. There's a push for solar energy in Switzerland. A wall of almost 5,000 solar panels has been attached to Switzerland's Mutzi Dam. It's part of a plan to maximize green energy production during winter months.
11: Nearly 5,000 solar panels line this wall on Switzerland's longest dam. It can produce 3.3 million kilowatt hours of energy per year. That's enough to supply 700 homes, and it might be a game changer for the country's cold winter months. The Lake Mutzi Dam is over 7,800 feet above sea level and surrounded by snow-capped peaks. The team behind the Alpen Solar Project, a subsidiary of Swiss energy producer Axpo, say this is a key benefit. This installation is particularly important because it produces a lot of electricity in winter. Our location is oftentimes above the level of the clouds, which is especially appropriate for solar energy. We have the reflections of the sunlight on the snow, and the panels function best in cold temperatures. So these are the best conditions one can have. Schranse, Switzerland's mountains are less affected by fog in colder months, meaning the panels see more sun than they would at lower altitudes. Installation of Mutsi Dam solar panels was completed last year and production has already begun. It's just the start of AXPO's future goals to install 4,200 solar panels by 2030. Solar is uh, is taking a more
1: important part in the uh, power mix in Switzerland. This is also something for, for the AXPO group, who, what is really important. We want to um, develop 1.2 gigawatts uh, by the year of 2030.
11: The government is pushing for solar energy to become more prevalent as it phases out nuclear power. Last year, it amended the country's Energy Act to fast-track the approval process of new solar plants, which will also work towards producing energy
0: during the winter months. Moroccan Riyads provided insulated housing centuries ago using thick walls and easy airflow. Now the energy-saving features are in demand in new homes. Entity's Andrew Thomas has more on the ancient AC.
6: Buildings called Riyads in Morocco are one of the best ancient cooling systems. This one was built five centuries ago. Abdus Salam de Musi bought the Riyad in 2000. He restored it with the help of a 100 artisans over two years.
9: In trying to do Riyad, we don't modernize. We don't start breaking walls and breaking the leash to put electrics and air conditioning.
6: Most Riyads are built about two feet above the ground on stone foundations. Roofs are made from silver birch trees and are covered by limestone. The materials keep the heat away and provide great acoustics. Riyads rely on their environment. We use uh, compacted earth and compacted earth in the
9: old days. They used to put plank of food and a plank of food, and the walls sometimes they have they are one meter thick, and then they compact, they compact, they do the compacting of the earth, and that's an isolation system.
6: Trees planted around them provide shade. Water fountains are also a common feature.
9: They know how to adapt. They know which way to plant the tent, where, and they know which way to orient the tent, because nomads follow the moon, so they live connected to nature. And when they started building, they know where to build, where is the water, you know, the sign of life.
6: It's rare to see passive cooling in modern houses, but demand is growing.
10: And this idea that still quite simplistically they they conserve energy and need very little energy put into them so you know i mean energy bills in london are huge and especially with energy prices
6: the temperature here differs by 70 degrees between day and night during the summer in the morning it can be close to freezing and in the middle of the day over 100 degrees andrew thomas ntd news
0: Excitement is building for the upcoming SpaceX Crew-6 mission to the International Space Station. The astronaut crew discussed the effort at the Kennedy Space Center. It's just incredibly
2: exciting
6: to be here. I, I think there's more of you here today than there was the last few shuttle launches I was on. So uh, I, it's incredible to see the excitement growing and uh, to still be a part of all of this. Uh, I've had the privilege over the past couple of years of training with an incredible crew. Uh,
8: they are just the most amazing people. And it's hard to believe that uh, this is really happening. And we only realize that when we fly uh, by the, the launch pad and we saw the preparation going, it's, it's, it's becoming to, to, to be real. So um, we can't thank enough everybody that
0: helped in preparing us for this mission. The SpaceX Crew-6 mission is on track to launch on Sunday from Kennedy Space Center. The Crew Dragon Endeavour will carry Commander Stephen Bowen and pilot Woody Hoberg along with Mission Specialists Sulsan nayadi and Andrei Fedyayev to the station. The European Space Agency, or ESA, presented its new space telescope on Tuesday. It's designed to scan the skies in an effort to understand dark matter, which is invisible to the human eye. The spacecraft, named Euclid, is meant to build a 3-D map of the universe. It will do this by photographing billions of galaxies over a distance of 10 billion light-years and across more than a third of the sky. The ESA hopes it will allow a better understanding of how dark matter and dark energy play a role in the accelerating expansion of the universe. Euclid will soon be shipped to Cape Canaveral, where it will be launched in July aboard a rocket operated by SpaceX. 95%
6: of everything out there we can't really explain. The cosmological models don't quite work. Euclid is going to hopefully make a huge advancement in our understanding of all of these topics.
0: Euclid will soon be shipped to Cape Canaveral, from where it will be launched in July aboard a Falcon 9 rocket operated by SpaceX. And just ahead, Shen Yun just performed in Boise, Idaho. Local entrepreneurs and a state representative shared their thoughts with us after watching the performance. We'll be back with more soon here on NTD News. Shen Yun, the world's premier classical Chinese dance and music company, just wrapped up its performances in Boise, Idaho. Here's what Theater Goaters had to say.
8: Beautiful, yeah, it's
0: mesmerizing I think is the word that I'd be looking for.
2: Audience members shared their thoughts after seeing Shen Yun performing arts in Boise, Idaho on February 18 and 19.
4: It's incredible, um, they're very athletic and uh, definitely have put a lot of time and effort into uh, putting the performance together so that it can come off flawlessly like it did.
6: I think they're nailing it 100%. It's been fascinating to watch them talk about how some of these dances go back 5,000 years. To think that these were traditional Chinese dances that their ancestors were performing thousands of years ago and then watch them perform that today is absolutely amazing.
12: It stirred me very deeply. It it captured me down to my soul in so many ways. Just the the, the power and the flow and the movement back and forth and and the powerful story that was being told in each one of the segments
2: at the Morrison Center for the Performing Arts New York based Shen Yun shows China before communism genuine traditional Chinese culture drew inspiration from the divine
6: which audience members identified with it was fascinating to watch them weave and how important faith is as a part of their culture
4: obviously the Chinese have a, a understanding of afterlife and that there's consequences and so I we could identify with that.
12: I think that the piece where the cell phones were out was a very powerful um, powerful signal and it and, and caused people to stop and think because you could see yourself in that very piece you could see the detachment we have from the divine through our own devices and all of the the uh, distractions that are, exist in our modern world.
2: Among the dance stories, instrument solos, and vocal pieces, patrons reflect on what they took away from
12: the performance. Part of the song was that she's traveling along in, ca- in a canoe, and life is good. And then uh, dark times come, and, and that light, that, uh, that goodness will save you in dark times.
2: Everybody should see this production. It's one of the best, and every year it keeps getting better. And who does the wardrobe? Because they're magnificent, too, by the way. It's beautiful. NCD News, Boise, Idaho.
0: Belgium's most famous carnival returned after three years of pandemic cancellations. Up to 1,000 performers join the parade to the beat of drums. Participants dance on the cobblestone streets in their wooden shoes. Entertainers wave willow branches in the air, a symbol of warding off evil spirits in winter. The star of the revelry is Gilly, a figure dressed in a brown, red, and gold costume. His face is covered with a mask with a white hat and small green glasses. Upon arriving at the town's main square for the grand finale of the parade, all the men dressed as Gilly put on an elaborate ostrich feather hat.
4: It's a real pleasure. We've been waiting for this for a very, very long time. There is sun. God is smiling on us. We're going to party until the end of the night. I feel joy. It's good because we let off steam. We are happy to see people's happy faces when they get the oranges.
0: The tradition of carnival dates back to about 800 years ago. It's now on UNESCO's intangible cultural heritage list. An important part of the celebration is throwing oranges at revelers. People believe that catching an orange will bring good luck. That's all for today's program. I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.